This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. And a quick update on our schedule. You are in one of four podcasts between now to the end of the year. We are actually taking about a full week off between Christmas and New Year's. So you will not have a podcast for, I guess it's actually two in a row. We will skip if I'm looking at my calendar correctly. Wanted you to know about that coming up. So that is happening because we are going to take a little bit of a break, but not much of one. You'll just miss, uh, again, between Christmas and New Year's, there'll be no podcast. We'll be back on January 2nd. But we do have two this week, two next week. And then, you know, a Merry Christmas to all. Guys, thank you for joining. Really appreciate it. You are doing so well in sending us your car debates. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. We do. We've got so many to cover. And we've got a good topic Tuesday, but we've also got a good debate today. Before we jump in, I want to mention the Z4. Mm -hmm. A year later, after the GR Super got its manual, the Z4 got a manual. Yes. The 2024 Z4 has a manual transmission. Unfortunately, the price has gone up fully loaded to be about 70 grand, but still, you're buying a BMW. Mm -hmm. They're charging more for the manual, but still, Mm -hmm. it makes sense. Makes all the sense in the world. There's more manuals. BMW has heard. I know they're saying phase it out, Mm -hmm. but... Every time every car manufacturer says we're phasing out something, GM goes ahead and makes plans to make a new factory that just builds V8 engines. <laughs> and BMW just throws in a manual transmission into the Z4 that it should have gotten at the same time as the Super because it's the same time. Like, why wait? Here's the question I have about this Z4 main. I'm thrilled it's going to get one, but here's the question I have. I really want to have one next to the Super manual because I want to know if the shifters feel different. They because, do. Apparently, BMW engineered their own shifter, which means just it'll be like worse. Toyota. Which means it'll be worse. Well, we don't, we don't because know, the thing is, <laughs> Toyota made rubbery, the shifter least. feel proper. True. I was worried about it feeling like a rubbery BMW shifter, and and Toyota actually made it feel awesome. It's actually one of the better six-speed I mean, manual shifters on the planet. Yeah. And if BMW takes it and makes it feel quote-unquote like a BMW, that means worse because frankly, their their manual transmissions are rubbery. I hope they don't. They're claiming the shift we'll action will be we'll better than the M2. That's what BMW is okay. claiming. Well, but it's still BMW mm-hmm. re-engineering their own shifter for yeah, their what, own car. Again, what they should do is just use, well, they should go to Toyota Here's here's where the, the, the crossover technology needs to go the other way. They should go can to Toyota and one? just go, the way you did it, can we have that, please? Why didn't they do that a year ago? I don't know. I'm, Same I, assembly line. I'm, I'm sure there were contracts. Same. Lawyers were involved. Assembly line. The lawyers were involved. You know they were. Uh-huh. That happened, for sure. The price of fun is playing. We really appreciate your viewership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been uh, a lot of good comments on there. Yeah. I, thank you, guys. I, thank you for all of you that have watched it. Thank you for those of you that sent us photos of you watching it on a big screen oh, yeah, in a dark true, room. True, true. I, was, I just love seeing that. It's so cool. So it's fun to see that. Thank you for watching it properly and enjoying it. And, and when I say watching it properly, I just mean taking the time to watch it. Because taking the, the time to watch because it, the yeah. YouTube yeah. reality is just the fact of I'm going to play this while I'm doing three other things and checking my voicemail messages on my on my phone at work and also talking to a colleague while working on a spreadsheet and by the way a YouTube video is playing that's not this and right. thank you guys for recognizing that yeah. and watching it we love for it sure hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you're cleaning your car after a summer of hard driving, be sure to wash in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. You can also connect the Boss Foam Cannon to your pressure washer and use Foaming Surface Wash and Polygloss. Griot's has also just introduced the Cordless Foaming Sprayer. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches, which is the safest way to wash your ride. Now, if you need to get bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. Or if you've been tracking your car, track spray removes rubber streaks that always happen. The rubber smears and tire chunks come off really easy as soon as you use the track spray. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products together. Whether you just are doing a starter kit, it's your first time using Griot's, or you're breaking out a foam cannon and you're adding to your collection, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, please note there's a new code. Use DRIVER10 for 10% off everything on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Our topic Tuesday comes from Landon, who writes to us about product planning for Lotus. Uh, what now? We rarely discuss product planning. And we rarely discuss Lotus and what Lotus is doing when mm. it comes to product planning. And the reason I brought up Price of Fun is because when we have shown the Amira video, when it went up against the Cayman GTS 4.0 and the C8 Corvette Stingray, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all the comments, many of the comments on YouTube are along the lines of Lotus just makes this special feeling like nobody mm -hmm, else builds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we had it in the price of fun, we had Todd, your Elise in yep. the price of fun. And yep. we both acknowledge there is really nothing else like this car on mm -hmm. the planet. Just Very true. There never will be again. Very true. Well, Landon writes to us about his discovery of Lotus. It came from playing the video game Need for Speed Carbon. I remember that. As a kid. Mm -hmm. He credits the game for infecting him. Even though it was a video game, he remembers seeing the Elise, its striking design, and being amazed. No car he'd seen up to that point in his life looked anywhere near as unique as the Elise. Mm. Forget about Ferraris and Lamborghinis. <laughs> it sparked a long-term love for the car brand, which is still going strong. Having kept up with Lotus for some time now, Landon would like to start a discussion about where they're headed as a car manufacturer. Mm. To do that, he is going to introduce another one, another auto manufacturer that he thinks is on par with Lotus as a comparison, which is Alfa Romeo. Okay. He's no expert. He acknowledges. He said the following discussion is based on his perspective and could completely be wrong, factually speaking, and feel free to correct him. <laughs> Brace yourself for letters. That's what happens when you say that. Anyway, yes. Why Alfa? He says he thinks there's similarities between Lotus and Alfa because he sees them as underdogs. Mm. Which sounds ridiculous, given this respectively impressive racing heritage from both. But looking at their history as auto manufacturers, he thinks it's true. Mm. They're both European. They're both solid alternatives to other European manufacturers, like the Germans, like the Italians, the other Italians. Yeah. Lastly, they've been bought and are owned by larger conglomerates that provide funding and assistance. He says, getting back to the point, looking at what Alpha's done in the past few years has been very impressive in Landon's opinion. They took that Alfa Romeo name mm -hmm. and made it accessible to consumers through the Giulia, the Giulia Quadrifoglio, the Stelvio, the Stelvio Quadrifoglio, the 4C. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. All of those, yes. Mid-sentence mid breath there. And most recently, the Tonale, which is a horrible name for a car, he writes. All he hears is toenail, but with an Italian inflection. But doesn't it sound better that way? It does. More How is your Tonale? Tonale. Did you hurt your Tonale? <laughs> yes. Anyway, yes. Uh-huh. 
Through these cars, they've also worked hard to subvert the Alpha name with being synonymous with reliability. But Landon sees Alpha as being more planted in the car market by offering cars that the average car buyer can realistically consider while staying true to their ethos. Mm. He's even looking at getting a Julia TI Sport in the next few years, but that's a future car debate. You would definitely like that car for sure. You would. And he showered Alpha with enough praise. So how does this relate to Lotus? Landon thinks Lotus has missed opportunities. Hmm. Well, not just recently. <laughs> yeah. Do you it's, remember it's when they like hired... a new thing for Lotus? Okay, so so I'm jumping back about a decade when Red Bull became this huge like everybody knew about Red Bull. Also. Bigger than they are. They, they well they they yeah. went from the badly animated commercials uh-huh. to being known for more than that. And they kind of exploded and the guy who was the PR guy for them at the time left Red Bull and got hired by Lotus. It was Danny Behar. I knew it was Danny something. So anyway, so so Danny's big throwdown, I guess he thought that you could do this with a car company like you do with the drinks company, you know, where we're making fizzy liquid, so can't we just make more? <laughs> right. His big throwdown it's was easy. at the next Los Angeles Auto Show, if I remember correctly, they announced five new models. Yeah. They were yeah. updating the Esprit. They were all E. The Elise. Letter E. They had something that looked like a scaled-down Ferrari 599, which I thought was amazing. Think of it like Lotus makes a GR86, but it was five cars, and I have yeah. never seen the Lotus booth so mobbed. I remember we knew the Lotus rep at the time. He was overwhelmed. He knew us. He was like, sorry, guys, can't talk. I'm just completely serious. <laughs> right. You know. Why am I here? All of those cars were show cars only. They were all smoke and mirrors. And Danny went off, I'm sure took a really nice paycheck with him. He was uh, shown the door and Lotus floundered further, worked on an Esprit for a few years, like got close with a new That's Esprit right. in the late 90s, early 2000s. And they had just picked one. They had kind of whittled his proposals down to one, like, let's not do five. They were going to redo let's the just Esprit. try to actually deliver a car. And, and apparently they got all the way to like test mules, mm-hmm. like their, their, their best boffins as the British say, right. of, of suspension. We're working on the test mules for the Esprit, and then it got killed, and now they're owned by the Chinese larger head company, Geely, who also owns Volvo, mm-hmm. which brings us back around to where we are now. Landon writes that Lotus has made it clear they're going to be an EV manufacturer, with, especially with all the models they've released and recently announced. Taking a step back, looking at the large picture, Landon believes Lotus is trying to redefine itself as a brand which he understands, but is also saddened by. Mm. With Geely involved, they've got the funding, they've got the resources to do just that. But Landon just can't get behind it. He can't help but think, what if Lotus took a page out of Alfa Romeo's playbook? And he's not saying that he wants Lotus to forget about sports cars and just do SUV people movers, even though they've already started down that direction. Every mm-hmm. car manufacturer has, by the oh, way, yes. Landon. Uh-huh. What he means is that they proved it with the Amira. With proper money and resources, they, Lotus, are capable of engineering and producing a car that looks good, drives good, and is selling well. The car they seem to be using as a transitional farewell piece has the potential to move them forward while retaining their brand ethos. I think that is a fantastic key sentence here, Mm -hmm. Landon, because you're right. The Amira, the, the problem with the Amira, though, in the eyes of the public, is it was they said that thing you're not supposed to say. This is the last one. Oh, yeah. So everybody yeah. is rushing out. I mean, candidly, if they were just releasing the Amir and it wasn't the last one, I bet you it would be half as popular with people buying it. So I bet there's you would, something I bet you would remove to uh, the get it while it's good kind yeah, of statement. It, it would remove it. I get you, bet you would remove the demand in by half hmm. because people are going, it's my last shot at this. 
and the last gasp are all they're all selling out dodge is doing whatever the 154th version of the Charger Hellcat and the Charger <laughs> and the Challenger. Like a low number. Seriously, yeah, those are rookie they're, numbers. They're, they're we doing, gotta pump those numbers up. <laughs> they're doing those. Everybody's doing the last and best and greatest, and those are selling out because people have got the fear of missing out thing, and then oh, there never be anything like this again. I do believe that's half the demand of the Amira. And by the way, the Evora was uh, was quite good. Evora was spectacular. It's not. It's not like yes. they, they were stumbling along with an Evora that was terrible, and now the Amir is good. The Evora was very good <laughs> like, too. Finally, we figured it out. Well, no, they've kind of known what they're doing all along. They just haven't had the resources to commit to doing that. So Landon writes that hot off the heels of the Amira and the popularity that it's now brought back to Lotus, could we imagine if they announced and released a smaller Amira-like two-door coupe competitor to the GR86 or the GR mm-hmm. Supra mm-hmm. or even a sporty four-door sedan like the Julia to compete with BMW, Mercedes, Alpha? He they, thinks both companies mm-hmm. had an opportunity to take this well-regarded name and make it accessible. All the cars you're bringing out like a GR86 competitor or a super competitor or a four-door sedan, Lotus has had a part in all kinds of cars like all of those in their history. Mm -hmm. The thing they Mm -hmm. haven't done is an electric SUV. But you know what they're going to do? An electric SUV. (laughs) There's more. Uh Well, yes, they've got the resources, Landon. And Landon looks at what this has done for Alpha and can't help but think with this approach, if they had done this sort of, let's make another one, something, some competitor that's even more accessible. By doing that approach, what could that have done for Lotus? Mm. But this isn't to say that Landon is against EVs. With all respect, they've got their place within the auto market. You're absolutely right. You can't argue with that. He knows Alpha is working on some EV models. You know it's going to be called the Tonale V or well, something. Well, but the Tonale only comes in plug-in hybrid anyway. Well, that's true. And our issue with road. it was the fact that the front and the back didn't talk to each other because the front was one uh, was a <laughs> gasoline drivetrain and the back was electric. And it was every time the electric <laughs> yes. gauge was like, wait, huh, what? What's going on? Seriously, the front's a zebra, the back's a horse. The Seriously. front is a rhinoceros and the back is like an elephant. Two different animals. Rhinoceros and elephant are both gray. That's going to work out fine. They're it's going to be just fine. fine. Mm-hmm. That means there were too many chefs, and you're seeing it, Landon. He feels like Lotus is putting all their eggs in the EV SUV basket, or the EV basket whatsoever. A better strategy, in his opinion, would be for Lotus to release a coupe, sports sedan, SUV with ICE engines, internal combustion engines now and then, and quickly transitioning, also offering them as hybrids or full EVs later. Mm. At the very least, this might have allowed Lotus to establish themselves in those markets. But he sees the EVs they're announcing, and he's got to ask, who is this for? Mm. They're priced outside of what the average consumer can afford, and they don't have the traditional Lotus qualities that made previous Lotus models enticing cars and enticing to drive. And that's why I brought up Price of Fun, Landon. Mm-hmm. When people said, man, there's just something about Lotus, when we're talking about Todd, yeah. your Elise, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Amira in the other one, in the mm-hmm. other piece. Yeah, yeah. There's just something about Lotus. They're just so special and da-da-da-da. Will drivers, will enthusiasts say that about all the future Lotus cars? I think, Landon, that you're on to something here. Mm-hmm. He's asking about the future of Lotus. He says, do we think they'll be successful going all EVs, or are they just going to stay stuck and struggling in this alt-car purgatory? He, this is his larger question. It's just, what is going on at Lotus? And boy, how many podcasts could we fill with that? <laughs> I think the, the interesting thing for me here, Landon, is the Geely factor. And, and I want to step to the side here and say this. Have we all noticed that China has just kind of jumped over the decades of internal combustion engine car development that the U.S. and other markets have done. True. They weren't a car maker. 
they started to kind of be a car maker, kind of like if you want to think about the Korean cars of the 90s and early 2000s, where it was like, well, those kind of work. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure you want to have a warranty? Ch- China was at that place on internal combustion cars. Mm-hmm. Like, do we want to sell them anywhere else? And then companies like Buick could make lesser quality cars and sell them in China. And then China discovers EVs, and EV kind of worldwide is a little bit of a, we're all starting at the same place. There's no yeah. real like, well, everybody's done, we've done this for decades. So China is all in on EVs. They are making them as fast as they can, and the take rate for EVs in China is much higher than the rest of the world. Out of there, you have Geely, who of course is a Chinese brand, and they are buying reputations. They are buying up brands that are well-known. That's an interesting way to put it. And they have bought Volvo, who also is one of those companies that they have, they have a style. Volvo has a thing. Volvo mm-hmm, is, frankly, mm-hmm. if you will, the more successful sob story. True. Volvo's bounced around and been owned by various different people. They've always kind of had their quirky thing, and they've just barely survived, and now they're a part of Geely. And Geely's been good for Volvo in that Volvo has kind of maintained its Volvo-ness. However, the other thing that the Chinese brands are doing, Geely especially, and I'm coming back around to Lotus, is they are doing badge engineering like we haven't seen since the American manufacturers in the 70s and 80s. That's because it makes business sense to business people who want to make profit, which Mm -hmm. I don't blame them, but they've forgotten the key ingredient, which is different than any other product on the planet, and that is car enthusiasts. Absolutely. Every other product can be badge engineered. I don't care what it is. Nobody will care. All the luxury goods manufacturers, there's like a couple on the planet. They own all the brands you've ever heard of. <laughs> Louis Vuitton to Cartier to Tiffany's. To, they own all the brands. And you're thinking, how can one conglomerate own all these? And they're they're different. I mean, they own Sunglass Hut and all these <laughs> crazy, you know, like sure. long list of brands. You're like, that's all the same company? Like, pretty much. All yeah. the money goes into one giant bucket, really. I mean, yeah. they don't. They're all managed differently. But still, it's just one big bucket. The difference with cars is car enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Every other product can be sharing factories and sharing resources and sharing. And nobody will really notice because of that brand. And that's what auto executives have done with the hallowed Lotus badge. Mm. They have taken that badge and tried to make it something that we're going in a different route, but they've kind of forgotten Landon. And you have clearly noticed, Hey, all of us car enthusiasts mm-hmm. have noticed that particular platform that we're talking about, the EMEA? The, well, yeah, the, the, what becomes the Elettra, yes. Is also shared with the Elettra and the Zeker 001 and the Polestar 5 and the Zeker 009 and the Polestar 3. And now you're seeing the Geely influence, even mm-hmm. though the claim mm-hmm. is, no, we're just letting Volvo be quirky. No, we're just letting Lotus just be their quirky selves. Yep. Not yep. really. Mm-hmm. That's not the future business plan. Yeah, definitely. They are they are bad engineering like crazy. You get into, and we did, we're looking forward to driving it. We, we got into an uh, Elettra at the LA Auto Show. It's the first time we'd actually climbed in one. Mm-hmm. And it's excellent. It's very roomy. It's very nice inside. It's interesting. And if it's not roomy, you did it wrong. But my point is, nothing I've just described is something I would typically describe to Lotus. True. You don't get in it and think, this is really high end and it's really spacious. Okay. Okay, And also, you don't get in a Lotus, even if, even like the best ones ever, you don't get in a Lotus and go, this is like, there wasn't an end of that sentence. It just was like Lotus. And now you get in the Elettra and I'm, and I'm not actually coming down on it because what we've seen of it so far is very good. But what we've seen of it so far is not Lotus. It's just, you have a parent company 
They have an electric platform. An electric platform can be used lots of places, and we need to move product. And Porsche approved it. BMW approved it. An SUV under a sports car brand does sell. Yeah. But will this sell enough? This is the big question that I don't know that we will see an answer to, Landon. Will things like the Electra sell enough to allow Lotus as a brand to continue to do the stuff that Lotus has been known for? which is engagement and handling, which brings me back to the Amira. And I hate to say it, but the Amira reminds me of the current Z car in one major way. It's not new. It's not all new. Yeah. It looks it. It's gorgeous. I love it. I enjoy driving it. It looks new. The new Z car looks new. It's the 370 revised. The Amira looks new, but at the actual core, it's a lot of what they were doing on the Evora, which was excellent. The point I'm making in both of those cars is, will there be a next gen? What's after Amira? What's after current Z? Because at some point, you have to go full stop and make a new platform, and the Amira can also be nothing. The Amira is just the Amira, just the Amira, just mm-hmm, the Amira. Mm-hmm. True. Like the Z car just True. does that. Yeah. So you yeah. have to be a car maker who is successful enough, or in the case of Geely, hopefully, has a parent company who is willing enough to make a GR86 or Supra. But notice both of those cars are money shared. As enthusiasts, we cannot demand that our car manufacturers, doesn't matter who your favorite brand is, we cannot say, well, you've got to make everything totally different. Like, Everything's in a mirror. Everything's sure. a separate platform, Not and separately built, and no, you've got to make a, a yeah, profit yeah, here. You've yeah. got to do some kind of sharing. When we got in the Amira, we laughed and pointed at the Volvo switches. Of course, we did. Hey, look, Volvo switches are here. Like, at least they work. Oh yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense, and they look pretty good here. And yeah, it kind of makes sense. I mean, the last straw for me was the Levante that had the Jeep Grand Cherokee switches with a little strip of chrome on them. And I went, mm-hmm. no, no. <laughs> six Stop six that. figure price tag. Too far. Zeep switches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm looking at this from a business perspective. I'm wondering about all the CEOs and the leadership of all these companies that have maybe gone a little bit too fast, too far, too soon. Okay. Because I think all of these brands have kind of lost their flavor. If they, mm. if they're the the ones that come to market later, I think they've kept their integrity, their ethos. Oh, interesting. Okay. Porsche was sort of last to market with the Cayenne. Everybody kind of scratched their heads and said, "Really, Porsche? You too?" Mm-hmm. Good and point. now they're one of the definitive SUVs you can buy. Sure. Yeah. Off road, on road. I yeah, don't care. Good point. Good point. But they weren't way out front with the whole SUV thing. They were kind of like, what is everybody else doing? But there's some companies that have gone all in. We're just going to do platform sharing and we're going to offer a bunch of different models and Geely is kind of this way, but they're kind of using Volvo and Lotus to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. It's a little too fast because now you're losing the the feel of why people like that brand. And now all the adopters have already early adopted for whatever their their Mm -hmm, EV mm -hmm. is they're, they're going to buy. And there's some companies that don't have another offering that is getting them into the showroom that is still like, this is the the soul of our company. Mm. And that soul is now sprinkled over here on this little SUV and this Mm -hmm. midsize SUV and this big one. Mm -hmm. But the soul of what we're about, which is heritage and history and racing or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mostly it's heritage and racing for car companies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not like we dressed the presidents from, you know, the sixties, you know, (laughs) you can't really lean on that kind of thing. John Kennedy was shot in our car. Wait, that's not a selling (laughs) point. No, that's not working. Uh We got to stop selling that. Uh (laughs) Presidents were shot here. (laughs) Yeah. Not a good look. 
So car companies lean on the history throughout time, and that is why people are attracted to them. At least that's what attracts me to Porsche. Not just the badge on the hood, not just the, hey, it's shiny and expensive, and okay, 19-time Le Mans winner. Uh, that does nothing for No, that does a lot for me. I mean, mm, there's a lot of okay. tribal right. knowledge that's yeah, gone yeah. into that brand, and they're kind of late to the market, but their cars are really good. Both are, mm, mm. their cars and SUVs. So... What does that mean for Lotus? I think they're going to figure out real quickly from the consumers, from the customers. There will be people who don't really know what Lotus is. Well, I just like the style. And it does mm -hmm. the same thing that this $100,000 SUV is going to do too. And well, I guess I'll try this one. Mm -hmm. I, it's not a Tesla, so let's try it. Sure. Yeah, there'll be some of that buying for sure. But I think car companies won't last very long on that premise. They're not going to last too long on the, we're different. You've not really been familiar with Lotus and the EMEA and the Elettra. But the problem you're creating, though, that you're uncovering is if you sell a Lotus electric vehicle on the history of the fact that we're different and then it doesn't feel different, then you've lost that customer the next round. The only way yes. you can sell an electric SUV from a company that is known for being different is if there is something fundamentally different about the way it drives. And I'm asking, having not driven it, I right, genuinely don't right. know. If you put We're it next to, to out. seriously, if you put it next to the Volvo platform share and the uh, Polestar platform share and the Lotus and the Zeker, you get the hot one of all of those. What makes that one drive like a Lotus? Or to put it another way, what makes that one drive in a way that you're going to buy the Lotus one versus the Polestar or the Volvo? Every person who is in management at every car company is now going to have to address this even more so mm -hmm. than they, they ever did because we're not using ICE engines, internal combustion engines. Yep. We're using a, a standardized platform practically. Yeah. It's like one plug it, <laughs> worldwide. <laughs> so there, this is kind of a problem to differentiate not just the brand, but it has to be done through how they drive. Now Maserati's got this halo car. And then we'd like to sell you the Grecale, the mm -hmm. you know sixty to one hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars SUV. But just know that we have a three hundred thousand dollars supercar that is available for sale. It's why Audi made the R eight. The R eight was like nothing else in their lineup mm -hmm. except for the fact that it happened to have Quattro. It was like nothing else. Okay, Audi's going in big time on EVs in their mm -hmm. platform, yep. which is all Volkswagen Group's platform. It's all really the MEB platform for most things. Yep. They don't have a halo car that dealerships can park on the rotating platform in the corner mm. window for people to drive by and go, oh, the R8, those are sweet. We should go look at A3s. <laughs> the R8's on its way out. What do they have? They will yeah. come back out with something. They have to. Mm -hmm. But now we're at that mm -hmm. point in time where us car enthusiasts are demanding fun-to-drive sports cars. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to be EVs, they have to be lightweight. And car companies can't deliver right that now. That hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah, true. So there's going to be a waiting period. I think it's going to be longer than any of us think. Mm. And I think car companies are going to think to themselves, yeah, maybe we, we're a bit ahead of our skis. Well, they're all trying to, ch we've talked about this a million times, they've all tried to chase the uh, what the regulations are going to be because they're on five-year product cycles. Well, then there's politicians And the regulations are changing. With and now, and, now, and, and here's yeah. the thing, the regulations were ahead of the technology, which was ahead of the consumer. Yep. And now the consumer base, and, and, and again, China's buying them much more than the rest of the world. The consumer base in different countries is deciding what they think of EVs. Yes. This is a quagmire. Yes. And for that reason, I'm actually encouraged, Landon, because that's going to push 
and get better results than ever from Hmm. the automotive industry. Hmm. It's when the design brief is really hard is when excellent results appear. Hmm. I feel like in any industry from pharmaceuticals, dealing with diseases to cars. I mean, a blue sky project is real nice. You get to design the interior for the Sultan of Brunei's yacht. Hmm. You got an unlimited budget. You can do whatever (laughs) you want. Just make sure it's all ambient lighting, no direct lighting. It's one of the requirements. (laughs) But you can just do whatever, spec all the materials you want, okay, just yeah. imported marble from wherever, we don't care, just go nuts. Well, that's mm. kind of easy. I, it's, mm. it's hard, but it's easy. Design a toothbrush that will completely upset the toothbrush market, and it's got to be two ninety nine. <laughs> Holy cow, this is a hard design brief. I'm going to need some time. Yeah. Yeah. So this new design brief, this point in time, because customers aren't pushed over the edge to go buy. Mm-hmm. Car companies need people to buy their new stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. But if people aren't buying and all the adopters have adopted, well, they're hanging on to their old stuff. They're hanging on to what we like. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the powertrain is. It matters how it drives. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the same thing we talked about with LA Auto Show. We walked from Cadillac Lyric to Acura ZDX to Honda Prologue to Chevy Blazer. Platform, 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 platform. Part of me, even though it would be probably not a very exciting video, would like to put all four back-to-back in a video and drive them back-to-back-to-back-to-back and see if we could figure out if there's anything different. And then let's drag race them. Yes, we'd have to drag race them because that's what EVs are for. Here's the thing there. In this case, we're not even talking about the same parent company. That's true. That's true. Anyway. Although now that Honda and GM have split the sheets over the Ultimum battery thing, I, Whoa, wonder easy. What, <laughs> I wonder what Honda, there's there's noises. We're recording uh-huh. this in late 2023. So CES 2024, Honda's making noises about a new direction. Well, it's not going to be what you showed two months ago at the Eli Auto Show about your future. It isn't going to be that okay. because you don't have the Ultium platform underneath your concept anymore. Interesting. You we'll can't. Okay. You're right. forced to pivot. But you can't bring it to market soon enough for people to buy to get the sales. So, and it's going to be undetermined. How will it drive? Will it be fun to drive? Mm. Jaguar, Lincoln, Honda. What do you have that's in the pipeline? Mazda. Mm-hmm. They've got the new engine, the new inline six. But yep. what's coming out? What's It takes a long time for yeah, that cycle yeah. to happen. And car companies are realizing we've got to bring out something special. Whether or not people buy it, just to know that it's special. Toyota's resurgence mm. has been because of that GR86, has been because of the GR Supra. Well, I hate to say it, it's because of a more attractive Prius. And a more attractive Camry, a powerful, fast Camry that drives really well. Wow. Well, and they're well, no and kidding. The, I mean, the, Toyota's obsessed with style right now. Yes. They're obsessed with their stuff looking like what it's supposed to be. That's why the Tundra is even bigger. I mean, the, I was driving by, behind a Tundra yesterday in a Cayenne. I felt like I was driving a hatchback. It was like that Tundra's enormous with big square edges. They finally got it right. They, yeah, they finally and done then a full got, size. And then you've got the, the Tacoma, which looks big and, and burly now. I mean, they are definitely designing for the market idea, and it's Winning. making a difference. Yeah. yeah, versus electric, whatever. We'll see. GRing all the things. The GR Corolla. Did they need to build the GR Corolla? But no. No. Just to know that it's there, like, wow, this hot little thing. Maybe we'll just look at a regular Corolla then. <laughs> I can't get a GR. I feel connected you know what? somehow. There's a Corolla over there. Landon, thank you for writing. If you've got a topic Tuesday just like Landon's, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. 
Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armor All products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Chad W. is trading the modding disease for the perfect commuter. I doubt it. I mean, the, sorry, what? The perfect. <laughs> the perfect commuter. Perfect commuter. For $10,000. We get there in a minute. Hang on. Yeah, or it's, it's, it's going to be quite a ride. <laughs> Chad, thank you for writing. He has been obsessed since he could walk with racing and cars. It was game over when he saw Fast and Furious as a kid. He could believe the movie is that old. It's that old. He realized modding cars to the street could make them even better or worse. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I appreciate you acknowledging both. Yeah, <laughs> certainly gives them personality. It definitely does that. Chad is an avid sim racer. He logs a lot of nightly hours doing rally games and iRacing and GT3 on a set of Corsa. Love it. He's never not having the itch to drive something fast in real life or virtual. He's over in eastern North Carolina, just outside the city, which is great. He's got some wind, windy country back roads. He's also 5 to 15 minutes from everything he needs in his new office. Love it. That's great. Chad has been a photographer and videographer for 11 years, primarily worked from home for all those years. So he's been able to get away with having an SUV or a truck for work and a fun car. Okay. Times have changed, though. He's taking a step back, and he has accepted a new position where he'll be training a lot of photographers and videographers for another company. Mm. He's got a commute now, two to four days a week. He will still be doing weddings, photographing weddings all over the state as he has been and doing commercial photo and video projects. His MOF was a teacher for eight years, but she is a part of their business and currently works from home with Chad. She too may be going back to the classroom in January. So now they're both commuting. So both work at home, now both going to commute again. And the cars in play are not good for that. His long list of past cars include a lot of modified Volkswagen GTIs because that's many, what you do many, with them. Many. Yeah, for sure. E30 and a 2011 BMW Z4, S550 Mustang GT, and a GT350. A Tesla Model 3 Performance. And in parentheses, he doesn't know what he was thinking either. He now owns a 2021 Toyota Supra automatic transmission. Okay. Pretty much every car on the list has always had modded suspension, aftermarket wheels, good tires, and a plethora of engine mods and loud exhausts. <laughs> Okay. Fantastic. He says he even put a Pro Charger kit on his stock GT350 Mustang, and he said it still drove like a normal Mustang around town, but had insane power otherwise. Because I will say, every time I got in a GT350, I thought, wow, this is slow. Man, is this, this, does this need a Pro this Charger kit? wheezy and slow. Anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. He regrets selling the, that car every day. Will probably always go down as his favorite car. For the sounds from the flat plane crank, coupled with a jet engine whistle. How how likely was that engine, by the way, which has been problematic over time, to blow up with a pro charger strapped to it? Anyway, it's, <laughs> I'm sure it sounded amazing, though, yeah. He loves the Supra as well, but that has a few tasteful mods. Neither Todd or I are surprised. <laughs> He's got an obnoxious exhaust on it that has him contemplating going back to stock. He's not sure if he's getting too old or finally maturing. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. Every single car, and there have been many, that I put an aftermarket exhaust on, I regretted it. It was like, you know, they knew something at the factory. Uh, that wasn't the way to go. Chad and his wife own a Ram 1500 that his wife drives some and they use for the business. They've got a lot of photo and video equipment, especially when they do a wedding or a commercial video shoot, and the truck has been great for that. I'm sure. But it's also an expensive monthly payment and a gas guzzler, as we can imagine. Definitely. So he's open to the idea of flipping the garage completely since his MOF and Chad's job situation is changing. He doesn't want to sell the Supra. I'm going to read that again. He Mm -hmm. doesn't really want to sell the Supra. He writes that. Yes. Even capitalized. Mm -hmm. He does, yeah. 
He could spend five or 10 grand and get a cheap car for the office commute. And his wife could commute in the truck because she loves it. Okay. But this is an expensive monthly allowance and they're really wanting to open up their savings for a larger future house on some land. So what you're saying is you don't want to put all your money in cars? Did you did you write the right podcast? This, sure. Anyway, okay. It seems Onward. weird. Mm-hmm. It's a weird email. Ideally, this new car for Chad will be good enough and perfect in stock form. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read your own email? Exactly. That's not happening. Did you proofread? Nope. <laughs> he says he doesn't want to modify anything and save money by doing so. So great seats, good sound, even stock, and of course, good power and handling. And he wants to be able to drive this instead of the truck to smaller shoots and jobs and still appear professional. Okay. He hasn't found the time to put the super on track, even though he doesn't live too far from Virginia International Raceway. And he would mm. also like to make a yearly trip to the Tale of the Dragon. I like both of those ideas a lot. Those are nice, nice ideas. Three different scenarios. Number one is sell everything. Set a budget of 60 grand to flip his garage for he and his wife to mm. have commuters that can also haul gear. Okay. But they need an SUV because, by the way, they've got two large dogs. Okay. A fun or four-door sedan. They've got two vehicles that could do it all. And, you know, when needed, they would need to swap. So a fun car and a four-door sedan. Okay. Scenario, scenario number two is sell the Supra, set a budget of 30 grand on one fun car that's good enough to satisfy in power and handling, also be comfortable enough for long drives, and take gear in for photo and video shoots. This would keep them using the truck for big jobs. And again, his wife would be commuting in it. Okay, so we're getting a first version is we're flopping everything SUV and four-door sedan. Second version, we're, we're selling the Supra, but getting a different, more practical fun car, and she still drives the truck. Scenario number three is the dumb idea of keeping <laughs> what they have. There we go. And buying something for about five or ten grand that would be fun to drive, fuel efficient, and keep the truck because they'd need it for all the jobs away from town. So then he'd be driving a Supra and she'd be driving the fun, fuel-efficient dumb car or vice versa. But they and still the truck, want to keep the truck. And the truck, truck would stay parked until the they need I understand why you need it. Totally mm-hmm. get it. Yeah. Cars he's considered replacing the Supra with include used Civic Type R's, the 10th generation. Okay. The F80 or E90 BMW M3. By the way, the E90 doesn't get good gas mileage. It doesn't. It has a great engine, but it does not get Sweet good gas Sweet engine. Mm-hmm. Really thirsty. Yep. Audi S3 or older used RS3. Mm. Chad mentions that he hits gravel roads and does rally sim driving, so he suggests a Subaru WRX. Because you have to if you like rally at all. He's talked about Mark 7 and Mark 8 GTIs and Mark 7 Golf Rs. Because he hasn't had enough Volkswagen Golfs in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And believe me, you can't own another one and not mod it. No, there's no way. You, you can't have so even much sit history on your hands. You so much history knowing that you can mod those, knowing how to mod them. You probably have stuff left over in your garage probably. from the other ones. Be like, I wonder if this fits. Probably, yes. You know what? It probably doesn't, so I should probably get the new one upgraded uh-huh. one of that. Of course I should, yes. Porsche came in S, but he says just... Leave behind the idea of hauling gear. However, I will stop and say real quickly that a Porsche Cayman S can haul more gear than a 2021 Supra. The Supra does not have a very big hatch. That's And true. it doesn't have a frunk. The Cayman has a not very big hatch, but a frunk that can carry some genuine gear. So believe it or not, as crazy as this sentence is to say, a Cayman S is more practical than a Supra. Yes. Oh, oh, oh you went with that, did you? Okay, yes. it wasn't where I went. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Jerry 86 Elantra N, he doesn't Chad doesn't think he could go over to Hyundai until you drive it, my friend. If if you wrote that sentence, you've got to go drive it. That, that would be worth it, yeah. I think you'd like it. 
Well, he says he's done some drive homework. He might be able to stretch the budget for an RS3 or a new Type R or a Type S. <laughs> he thinks it would be perfect, but then, yeah, he's stretching the budget. Pretty stretch, yeah. His wife likes Audi SQ5s. There's a lot of those in Park City. There like, are a lot, My yeah. neighborhood is littered with SQ5s. <laughs> it's like there was somewhere. a sale or yes, something. It seems like. Like free puppies, nobody, free SQ5s. Nobody here buys SUV. They buy hot SUV. It's the hottest, latest. What is the one that yes. is the most expensive hot one? I live in Park City. I need that one. Here Seriously. I am in like mid-grade Cayennes there's over here. White that ones, Nobody wants those. blue ones. There's uh-huh. green ones. Yep. Maybe a Porsche Macan or Cayenne. I like that. Mm-hmm. Chad said never again after they had a BMW X5 and it was a train wreck. Three Why? interesting scenarios, Chad. I, I came up with uh, with a car for each scenario or cars for each scenario. So I'm just going to walk through this real quick. Do you quickly. have like the uh, the presidential, the gold, the I, silver, I, the platinum? Do you I have didn't, like the... You're not boarding an aircraft. These don't have titles. I'm just going to go with scenario one, First two, class, and three. business class. Exactly. And, econ- cra- and crazy class. Economy yeah. plus. <laughs> Like, is there levels here? We have flown too much this year. (laughs) Anyway, so scenario one, remember, was selling everything. Sell the Supra, sell the truck, have $60,000 flip the entire garage, which means his wife would need an SUV. He would like a four-door sedan. They could have two vehicles. They could use both. Back and forth they go. I can do that for you. You can still have fun, too. Brand new Honda Civic Si in manual. That's good. That is a very roomy sedan. You could take dogs. You could take gear. That, that and it's just going to be fun. You mentioned that you were kind of intrigued by the Type R. You were intrigued by the earlier versions of the Type R. You don't know if you could own a Hyundai product, but you were looking at the Elantra in Civic Si. The new one is a great car. That is good. So there is your That's commuter good. with good gas mileage, manual four-door, fun to drive, and then a used Cayenne for your wife. You could get both of those done for $60,000. Scenario one, handled. It's good. Now, scenario two... Sell the Supra for $30,000. Your wife keeps driving the truck and she would commute in it and you need it for big jobs. But you would like to have a $30,000 more fun car that also is more practical. And I went kind of uh, an unexpected place here because you keep talking about how you really liked, at one point you mentioned you really liked the V8 sound of the E90 M3. You loved the sound of your GT350. You really miss it. You kind of want a V8 in your life. You want a fun car. <laughs> how but about you a need really practicality. V8. How about this? How about... A C6 or C7 Corvette V8 sound, and the hatch on those is cavernous. When we were on our American Original shoot, the C6 Corvette swallowed a staggering amount of gear. That's true. Anytime we've had a C6, C7 as well, but the C6 especially, anytime we were on a shoot, we could take like most of our production gear for the day if it's in the back of the Corvette. You're a videographer. In those days, you wouldn't have to take it on anyway. It would be far more space. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's very true, than the Supra has. So you keep the you keep the truck. You sell the Supra. You go C6 or C7 Corvette. That's scenario two handled. And then the last one is your dumb idea. <laughs> keep the Supra. Keep the truck. But you need something small and snorty and fun and fuel efficient and potentially under ten grand. And there are two that I don't even think you need to mod. Fiesta ST. Fiat 500 Abart. Dang, you did Little, really good. Little snorty commute cars that are fun to drive, but you kept your super for the fun drives and the tail of the dragon and the tracking. You got better gas mileage. Is your wife taking the truck or the Fiat 500 or the super? What, who's taking what? You did really, really well. I tried. That was fantastic. My Honda CRZ for eight grand does not hold a candle to a <laughs> an Abart. I mean, <laughs> Abart is surprisingly. Fun. It's just fuel efficient. That's about it, and they're cheap. 
and you can get a six speed on them, which is cool. But yeah, anyway. I like the Abart. I I reread your email carefully, Chad. Mm -hmm. I went back through and I scrolled back up. And the part where you said you're thinking about getting a larger house and land. Mm. All I could see was pickup truck, was keep the truck, keep the truck, keep the truck. We're getting land and a larger house. You're going to be spending all your days Mm -hmm. at Home Depot or Lowe's, and you're going to be just filling the pickup truck. You're going to be hauling stuff you never even thought. Mm -hmm. You're going to buy somebody's property. I'm like, oh, that old shed needs to be cleaned out. Good thing we've got a truck. (laughs) Where did this pile of railroad ties come from? Yes. Why why does this happen, by the way? I don't care which piece of land you're clearing. Somewhere there is a pile of railroad ties. There's going to be piles of a lot of things. I don't understand how that happens if you get rid of the truck you're not going to have a truck especially when you want to upgrade that's fair and you've got designs on getting this house which means you need to sell your money and for the first time in a long time i am not spending your money because then i read your sentence that says i don't really want to sell the supra Mm -hmm. that's that's capitalized so you're want to buy a larger house with land which means you need the truck and you don't really want to sell the supra and that says to me you've got the perfect cars for your life right now for your life Mm. Not for your job, which is where scenario dumb number three comes in. (laughs) Like it? Good. It isn't dumb. The fuel efficient part is why I couldn't get Honda CRZs out of my mind, but I do like Fiesta STs a lot better. Those are really fun. But if you really want to save gas, I mean, a 200,000 mile CRZ Change the oil and keep driving it. Grind that thing into dust. Forever, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, you won't care because it's just a little bit of an experiment. Because Mm. if I come up with, I've gone through your list. I like your WRX idea, actually. I do like that. Even, I could see you rocking a new one. If you like it, if you could deal Mm -hmm. with a lot of things that aren't ideal, that car enthusiasts don't really love. But if you could, and you liked it well enough, I could totally see you rocking a WRX. But all I'm seeing is change for the sake of change. I'm not seeing mm, a better that's reason. good. All I'm seeing is lateral moves. That's good. In all of these scenarios, I just see, well, you traded one thing for another. It didn't improve at least 3% or 10 or 30% to make it worth your expenditure on mm. the car to make a move. You already have a car you love. I mean, you're not doing a whole lot of tracking, so I'm not putting too much stock in that. I hope you do get out to the IR in your Supra, but you've got it. Yeah, you're right. It's great. So I do think you need to focus on commute. Keep your cars because again, and the truck is not just for the land. The truck is for your big shoots. Mm-hmm. You're right. You even you said for it right now. we fill it up when we do a big commercial shoot. Yep. Yep. You've, you've got it. You have it. <laughs> I almost don't care how much of a gas guzzler it is because you, your business needs it. It's probably partly a write-off too. Mm, yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, good call. I am going after the five to ten part. I, SLKs even crossed my mind briefly, briefly. <laughs> but then I just thought I, I love your ideas for the the Abart. That that could be different, It'd fun. Be fun. Yeah. It's practically throwaway. It's not. It's not throwaway money. But, but it, it also it, sounds really good, which he's all about sound too. Yes, that yeah. is a great one. Forget the CRZ, Chad. <laughs> you're, you're spending less, but you've got the garage right now. It fits your life, and get the commuter. And then, you know what? You're you said only two to four days, so keep swapping cars with your wife. She got the Supra that time, mm-hmm. and you drove mm-hmm. this car. And then, hey, would you like to drive in a Bart? It's a fun little thing.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You guys are awesome with questions as always. Thank you for that. Keep in mind, you can send your car debates and your topic Tuesdays and all of that to Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. That's where those go. All the questions go to social media. We appreciate that. There's some questions that, that go off the reservation a bit here, away from cars, but we're going to tackle them anyway. I want to mention real quick, thank you, Adrian. You said you just finished reading my book, Paper Father, and thought it was fantastic. I am flattered. Thank you. And I'm bringing it up only because, i sorry, I have to do it. It is Christmas time. And if you have somebody in your life who reads, I would be honored if you would get them a copy of Paper Father, especially if they are either a father or a son, because there's a lot of themes going on there. But Adrian, I'm just glad that you, you read it and you liked it, and I would appreciate the review. Thank you, man. We had a question about best Christmas road trip from Jordan S. Favorite Christmas road trip memory Okay, comes from just before I was uh, had my learner's permit. I was 14 or 15, and my grandfather had given my parents a like a late 80s or an early 90s diesel Buick Electra. Okay. 5.7 liter diesel. Okay. Enough that, torque to haul things out of the ground. Well, terrible horsepower. I think it had like <laughs> 90 horsepower or something. Probably, but, yeah. You know, all this torque. And we were driving it to Kansas to visit them for Christmas. Okay. And I was driving. I guess I did have my permit. Yeah. And I was driving. My dad was sitting shotgun. And he's like, come on, Paul. Go faster. Why aren't you going faster? I said, Dad, <laughs> the gas pedal is jammed to the floor. And when I did, a lot of white smoke came out the tailpipe. Ah. It's like, look behind us. <laughs> yeah, coolant got in, head oh, gasket leaked no. in a diesel. It lost power real quick. Oh, no. And we were just slowing down and slowing down. I'm going, oh, my gosh. This is not supposed to happen. Did you feel like you'd broken the car? I felt like I had done something yeah. wrong, yeah. but I didn't. But, man, what a monster. 5.7 liter diesel. Mm. Just a boat. Oh, uh, yeah. Favorite memory of that one. That's interesting. That's a great one. I hadn't heard that before. Eddie Murphy on Facebook is asking me, he said, he just rewatched my Cayenne update, our family Cayenne, the 2017 e-hybrid that we have. He said, I mentioned our family road trips, and wait a minute, don't I have dogs? What happens to the dogs on the road trips? We do not, we do not subject the dogs to the road trips. The dogs <laughs> like the house a lot. The dogs are spoiled, and they don't even like kennels. Uh, sometimes they don't even like other dogs. So what happens is we get a house sitter that comes and stays with the dogs and the dogs are very happy about that. That is the system that works. Don't break the system that works. Anthony Zerg is uh, wading us into a place I'm going to only step into uh, briefly. And that is the hazmat suit requiring end of YouTube. He said, he's not sure how we do it because he loved our price of fun video. He thought it was brilliant and we should be pr very proud. Thank you, Anthony. I'm glad you watched it. He said, but another of the comments just felt like people were just whining about one thing or another for no real reason. He was like, doesn't that get tiring? <laughs> uh, yes, Anthony, it gets tiring. I will say this. Look, yeah. as creators and as storytellers, I am trying to always learn what I can do better next time. Yeah, And anything yeah. we release, and I won't bore you, but anything we release, I could walk you through it and find a dozen things that really bug me about it that I wish I could fix given time, money, reshoots, mm -hmm, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's always stuff. There's stuff we get wrong because I know Newsflash, Paul and I aren't perfect. There's stuff <laughs> I would like to express better. 
invariably, whatever we do, even if it happens to be close to as perfect as it could be, somebody has something they don't like about it, and that's just reality. And what I try really hard to do is to find in those comments, what's the thing I can learn? And the one I'm learning on Price of Fun is that when you put a bunch of cars together and you say, we're going to talk about what's fun to drive, there is a segment of the audience that thinks what you've just said is, the cars behind me are the most fun cars to drive on the planet, and we're going to pick the best, which was not the premise. That was (laughs) not the premise. The premise, the, the five cars we had represented price points. We could have done the entire film with five different cars in the same price points. Five completely different cars. True. Yeah. yeah. It was a discussion of does price equal fun, not this car here, people, is the most fun car in the history of the world. And I feel like a lot of comments are, why didn't you include car X that I love that think is fun? Mustangs, Miatas. And many of the ones that people brought up are very fun cars. True, true. Because it's not listed in price of fun does not mean it ceases to be fun. It was never stated, but again, I'm learning. Marvin47 on Instagram asks, what we're both looking forward to the most in 2024? We'll cover a little bit more of that in subsequent podcasts just before the end of the year. We've got a bit of a year-end review kind yeah, of recap, sure. you know, where, where things were for this year, which you just brought up. We did 23 videos on the main channel. Uh, right? 22, 23 on the main channel, yeah. And then, of course, we had weekly stuff on Test Drive. It was yeah. a lot this year, for it sure. It was a yeah. lot. Looking forward to more of that. More, more interesting things, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a particular car in my mind, though, mm. right, at least right now, mm. that I'm looking forward to in 24. I'm kind of waiting for the manufacturers to step up and surprise us. They always do, though. That's the thing. You and I always plan a calendar year, and we always leave like mystery slots because invariably something gets released, and we're like, oh, we have to drive that. Where did yeah. that come from? It happens yeah. every year. Like something's in development, and it's yeah. just a surprise. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a test mule or, yeah. you know, for a long time. Every time. And then, yeah, I suppose we got to leave the door open for that. And then Jorge says, how are we planning on celebrating 500,000 YouTube subscribers on the main channel? I'm not sure. Uh, Buy a coffee with the proceeds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll be excited. Just, the, the reality now is YouTube keeps changing what's important. And that's just the reality of how the platform just learns and grows. And now at this point, viewership is more important than subscriber numbers, though we appreciate every single subscriber. Mm-hmm. And the number, the percentage of subscribers that watch a new video you dropped plays directly into how much YouTube recommends it, which is the reason we created the Test Drive channel because the content was so different than our original stuff that our subscriber base on the original channel wasn't watching the Test Drive, so we had to put it elsewhere. So we're we're constantly learning again this stuff. So I'm excited to be at 500,000. I I will say this right now. I'm calling YouTube out. I could for a lot of things, but I will for one thing. (laughs) Just one. Why on earth isn't there an award for 500,000? There's an award for 100,000 and an award for 1 million. Did they do away with 300,000? There's too? no 500,000. There's no nothing between 100,000 and a million. And the truth is most YouTube channels won't even break 100,000. A tiny percentage bridge the gap from 100,000 to a million even though we all think that every YouTube channel must be a million, right? Right. There should be something for that middle point, not just because we're about to reach it, but I'm like that's a huge swath of channels that never get to the next milestone anyway. You know, I look at 500 with uh, a lot of gratefulness. Absolutely. But there's a lot of car channels that are out there that have way more than we do. But there's also something in my mind that thinks, I wonder if they're topped out at those high numbers because, Mm. of course, you just always want consistent growth. And the way the YouTube analytics work is just automatically assumes that there will be growth for the rest of time. Mm. 
what if those channels are kind of still stagnant or they're not growing as fast? I look at this, even though that is a big number and that is a lot, it's not as much as some. Mm -hmm. And that means there's more runway. There's more room for growth. There's continued opportunity to earn people's business, essentially earn your view Mm -hmm. and be able to come up with new ideas for road trips. I mean, we've already kind of started planning. We've got oh, yeah. one kind of interesting. We've got a couple fun in, idea. in the hopper for sure. Yeah. But uh, it just, it, it's a longer runway and I'm it's grateful good. for it. Have we wanted it to come sooner? Of course. Mm-hmm. But then when you reach like 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, I don't want us to stagnate ever. So I look at that as just always reaching forward, like always moving ahead. I like that. Cars and Cycling has written an email that, uh, a question that will probably get me an email, but I'm going to answer it anyway. He said, he's watching Price of Fun, and there are EVs that are just as capable on a back road as the cars from our recent video. Mm. What EVs would we choose for a Price of Fun video comparison? Now, I want to actually, words have meaning, tear <laughs> apart that first sentence. Just as capable. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. In fact, there are EVs out there that I would argue are more capable true if you want to talk about sheer speed and and grip and these kind of things that exist then some of the cars in our price of fun i do not know of an ev currently that is as fun to drive Mm -hmm. as any of the five featured in price of fun capable absolutely in some metrics more capable yes but fun no now having said that i'll still try to answer your question it would be audi e-tron uh porsche Taycan. um Probably the Model 3 Performance would be in there. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to pick big SUVs, big trucks, because that's ridiculous. Um, the uh, the Ionic N that we just saw at the LA Auto Show would probably be in there. Oh, the there's Ionic 5, 5 Thank you. There, there's yeah, yeah. four right there. I think that would be an interesting four comparison. But again, they're all heavy, and they're not that engaging. Yeah, what we did establish is fun does equate to lower amounts of weight. Weight is absolutely a factor. And with any EVs at this point. So I'm wondering, is it, is that an, an exercise in futility at this point in time? Mm-hmm. Because like I said, we, we're looking forward to the future. We're looking forward to requirements for car companies and what their buyers want to push the market into introducing amazing new things. I think it's exciting news. Genuinely fun to drive engaging EVs are not only possible, but will exist. I do not think they exist right now. Agreed. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. We're always looking forward to next time. I mean, we're already looking forward to 2024. (laughs) We are for sure. Cheers, everyone.